Good morning, Relentless Church. Man, how cool is that? I just love student ministry. I love our student pastor, Raf Gonzalez. I love it that our students led us in worship um, this morning. Just thrills my soul. Thank you, students. And I know there's a bunch of students that weren't on the stage that are a part of our student ministry. Um, it's a happening, growing place. Check that out. Get in on that because there's beautiful things happening with our young people. Man, I, I want to say good morning to you and thank you for joining us. Um, and there's so much going on with the world starting to open up, but also still a lot to be concerned about. And uh, one of the things that is uh, pretty exciting in my world is we're starting to get back into the gym. We're starting to have some basketball practices and some things of that nature. Here's what I've noticed about kids as we say, you know, practice um, how important it is to practice, but not practice just at practice, but practice at home, right? And you can pretty quickly tell the difference between the kids that practice at home and don't practice at home. But did you know, coaches, you know this, did you know there's something worse than not practicing, right? The, the thing that's worse than not practicing is practicing poorly, right? It's better to not practice than to go out in the driveway and work on your form when your form is broken. Because all you're doing is teaching your muscle, muscle memory, to do it the wrong way, right? So that form issue is just going to get worse and worse. And someday, some coach is going to try to fix what you've been, you know, having a bad habit of for years and years. And it's going to be really difficult. Well, it's saying about basketball this morning, as we continue our unprecedented series, it's the reality that perhaps one of the things we're learning in all the craziness of 2020 is maybe we got some habits that we need to, that God wants to step into and, and correct and remind us of what the main thing, keeping the main thing the main thing. And so that's where we've been. And we've decided as a church um, that we are going to pray like we've never prayed before. So we started this unprecedented series and uh, we've been in it. And we're going to be in it. Uh, for another few weeks uh, with a goal of November 1st being the first Sunday that we are together in the building again. And you'll be hearing a lot more about that and the details of that in the coming weeks. But uh, for today, I, I just want you to sit into this idea of, hey, unprecedented times, which we are still very much in, they require an unprecedented response from us. And that's where we were last week. Now, years ago, as a, as a much younger uh, pastor, I struggled. I felt like if I said, hey, go listen to this message that I preached, I felt like I was kind of being arrogant and like, who am I to tell you to go listen to me talk, right? Um, and God's helped me through the years to be able to say what I'm telling you today. If you missed last week's message, as we opened up this paragraph from Philippians 4 that we're going to be in for the rest of the month, if you missed that, go listen to it. Not because I preached it or I'm anything, but because it's true right? The messenger is secondary, way down the list. What is important is the message. And what we taught last week when we opened this up, where Philippians 4.4 simply says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. So if you missed everything that that means, go back and check that out. It's uh, easy to find. It's on the website on all kinds of platforms. So we just said last week, unprecedented times that we're in, unprecedented everything, it requires an unprecedented joy in Jesus. And it's a joy that's always, right, which is a hard word, but we unpacked that 
last week, and we're going to pick up with the next sentence today that builds on that joy. It's Philippians 4, verse 5, which says, Let your reasonableness, gentleness, be known to everyone. Now, if you look that verse up in the Bible, or if you're looking at your Bible on your phone, whatever, right now, it doesn't say, let your reasonableness, gentleness, be known to everyone. It says, probably, depending on the translation, one of those two words, but not both. So we got to figure out what it is, because whatever it is, gentleness, reasonableness, some translations use the word moderation, whatever the word is supposed to be, it's supposed to be something that everyone in your life knows. That's a lot, like that's a big deal. Everyone that you know or that knows you, there's something in you that's supposed to be obvious and evident, not to your closest inner circle, but to everyone who knows you according to God through scripture. So, so let me talk about translation. We've never talked about this. And um, let me make sure no one gets confused. We are a church that believes the word of God is actually the word of God. We believe that God reveals himself in more ways than we can imagine. We'll never put him in a box. But his top-of-the-list way that he reveals himself to us is through his word. We believe that the, the scripture is not from man about God, but that it is from God through man. We've talked about that, unpacked that earlier in the year. So we, we're not backing off that whatsoever. In fact, what I'm about to tell you, it strengthens my faith that God speaks to his Holy Spirit through scripture, um, it, it actually builds that. It doesn't tear it down. But that being said, the reality is translation is difficult. There are challenges in translating the Bible, right? So when Jesus spoke in Aramaic, which is in the Hebrew family, uh, when he spoke in Aramaic, and then later the New Testament gospel writers wrote that down carried, it says, you know, prompted by the Holy Spirit. They wrote it in Greek, and then hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, we translate it into English and then retranslate it. Um, you know, all, all that gets complicated, but it, it is not a reason for you to doubt it in any way. It actually builds it, because you got to understand how do they, what is that process? Some of you are like, oh, I love this. Some of you are like, I don't care about this. Everybody should care about this. Listen, they take the Greek that was written, right, um, 2,000 years ago, and then they study it, right? People that have degrees and have committed their lives to studying um, these issues, they, they study the uh, manuscript and the earliest manuscript. They study the context. They study the author and his style. They study the words, the specific words, how they're used other places by that author, how they're used other places in the same letter in this situation. Um, and then they study that word and how it's used in other literature from that era. So other things that were written in the first century, second century, third century, they'll go find that same Greek word and see how it was used other places. And all of that goes into the bucket of figuring out what English word do we use to best translate the thought and content context of the original writer, right? So that's great, but we run into many problems, but, but two main problems. One, when we can't find that word used anywhere else, right? There's just no comparison. It was only used in Scripture. We can't find it anywhere else. And that happens a few times. It doesn't change, you know, the, the key parts of Scripture, but that's an issue. But that's not our issue today. The issue today is a different issue, and that is when there is no English word that captures the Greek word. That's why I said when I read it, let your gentleness or reasonableness, because... 
This is a Greek word, right? I'm going to try to say it, right? I'm not a Greek scholar. Uh, epeia case, epeia case, epeia case, something like that. I don't know, right? But that's the Greek word. I don't speak Greek, but that's the word that Paul used when he wrote a letter to the church in Philippi that's translated. And the problem with this word is it's got like four or five different English kind of ideas that we would have English words for, but they're all, it's one of those words in the Greek that it has layers and, and sections and a bunch of stuff to it. We don't have an English word that means everything the Greek word does. So what do we do? Well, translators, and now, you know, as, as time goes along, our translations get better, not worse, right? You need to know that. We have so much more um, resources to know what the Greek word means in English today, but sometimes there's not an English word that captures it all, so they just pick one. Right? They pick the one they think best, and some people thought that was gentleness, some people, you know, on and on. But for us to learn what God wants to, and listen, church, I am so moved by how God speaks to us. Like that he cares enough to show up and reveal himself to us in Scripture, and there's no doubt that God has led Relentless Church in this unprecedented time to these specific verses. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice, and now let your something, whatever that word is, in English, like it's supposed to be obvious to everyone in your life. So I got to do the study on what this word can mean, and it's got different, it's got gentleness and reasonableness. It's got this idea of yielding. It uses the word forbearing is another word. It's it's all packed into this one word. So I'm going to try to help us really understand all the layers of this word, not so we can be smarter, that's not the goal, so that we can actually live it out, right? So one early definition I saw is it's the idea, let your whatever this is be evident, it's this idea of being free from harshness. Could we use a little bit of that right now in just the world, like some, some free from harshness? I'll give you an example. I, I, I thought I had a funny you know, little idea in my head to do a post on social media um, because I saw this last week. I saw all this stuff about Son's Day and Daughter's Day, and I was like, hey, to my wife, Kelly, I said, hey, I think I'm about doing this post. Tell me what you think. I just want to do a post and say, hey, listen, people, we, we can't just invent holidays out of thin air. That's not how this works. I've been around a little bit. I pay attention. There's never been son or daughter's day. Like, we don't get to just invent holidays and say we're going to, we, that's not how it works, right? So I'm choosing to abstain because I'm not, by, like, that's, I, I don't co-sign and I'm just rejecting and refraining from the whole. I love my sons. I love my daughter, but I'm not going to put it on Facebook because I don't believe this is, this. and, and I said, wait, well, you know, that'd be kind of cute, playful, funny, a little sarcastic, right? And my wife said, I don't know, it, it kind of sounds harsh. And she used that word not knowing, right, what I'd been studying. Like, oh, man, she said it sounds harsh, and we're supposed to be free from harshness, right? So that's a piece of this word, the let your gentleness, but it's, it's so much more than not being harsh. So let me tell it this way, but before I do, I'm, I love it when you guys interact. Our online hosts, um, are they're just rock stars. So I just love how they've um, been performing that ministry uh, through this season. So uh, normally we have a little more action in the 9.30 service. Our 11 o'clock service um, is, is just as good. It's just a smaller crowd usually. But if you're one that will participate, then this will be fun. Uh, get your fingers ready or whatever you're watching this on. Um, if you're in Relentless Online and you can answer this question because I'm, get I'm getting ready to tell you a story about uh, involving a car that I had back in the day. Uh, but this was my second car. But I thought it'd be fun if we just took a minute and let everybody 
put in what your first car was that you drove, right? Mine was a 1981, it might've been 80, I'm pretty sure it's a 1981 Toyota Corolla station wagon, right? Not like Corollas have come a long way, but this was the four door and then the big old hatchback. Mine was red with some like rub on, paste it on, push on, gold stripe down the side. 1981 Toyota Corolla hatchback. So you're gonna age yourself, some of you, and that's okay. Some of you aren't driving yet, and that's okay, but you can put that in the chat, and it'll make it, you know, it's just some interaction, some, you know, making this online church a little more personal. Um, but as you do that, you gotta be able to multitask because I'm gonna tell you a story to help you understand this word. So part of this word, well, let me, let me tell you the story first. So I was in college, 96, 95, um, and I had my second car, not the Corolla, but the Pontiac Grand Prix, 1991 Pontiac Grand Prix. And this car was nice. So I'm taking my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, and we are in Kentucky, uh, Kentucky Christian University. And we're going to drive up the AA highway to Cincinnati. And we're going to see the Atlanta Braves, my Atlanta Braves, play the Cincinnati Reds. There's a, a group of us going, I think, but it's me, my girl, baseball, beautiful night, driving up. We barely get on the highway before my car started to have some issues and it just turned off, right? And so I, my brother, I don't remember how this all worked, but my brother either was in our caravan or somehow we got a hold of him. We didn't have cell phones back then. I don't know, but he comes to rescue me and uh, we jumped the car, you know, put the jumper cables on and it, and it works. I'm like, okay, we're going to make the game. And then two minutes down the road, my car dies and it keeps doing that. So we're like, we got to turn around. We weren't that far, probably 15 minutes from campus. So all right, we're not going to make the baseball game. We're going to turn around and go back. But every two minutes, my car dies. And it gets worse and nothing, none of the electric stuff's working. So we just keep doing that. I'll drive a couple you know, minutes, a couple miles. My car will die. I'll pull over. My brother will come. We'll jump it. We'll keep going, keep going, keep going. Well, in that, I guess I was going a little fast. And a state trooper pulls me over. I'm already bumped, right? My baseball night, my date didn't work out. Something's wrong with my car. I don't have money to fix it. And, and, he, pulls, and he comes up to my window and he asks, uh, how, do you know how fast you were going? And I could honestly say, sir, no, I have no idea because all of my, uh, you know, dashed, all the lights were out. So the odometer or speedometer or pedometer or flux capacitor, whatever that thing's called that tells you how fast you're going, it wasn't working. So I literally had no idea. Now I was trying to go as fast as I could within reason because I knew my car was going to die. We're going to have to jump in the whole process. So I said, no, I don't know how fast I was going. And he tells me I was going 82 or 84 or something, something too high. So he went back to the, you know, his car and came back and, and he said, I'm, here's your ticket. I have to write you a ticket. Uh, uh, you can't, you can't go that fast. It was real matter of fact, real blunt, real short. And then he gives me my ticket and he walks back to the, to his car and then he just drives off, leaves me on the side of the, are you serious? Leaves me on the side of the road. My brother jumps me again, right? And, and I was hoping for a warning because of circumstances, but at least, Hey, let me help you get back or let me, you know, something, right? Some level of compassion, but none of that. Now I tell you that whole story to, to, to ask you, was he right? Right, because by the letter of the law, I was speeding and I deserved a ticket. 
but there was some extenuating circumstances that I wanted him to factor in. Well, here's the beautiful thing. This word, this Greek word that I can barely say that God is saying to us, let your gentleness reasonable. What's packed into that word is what I wanted him to have. It is compassion. It is considering people over the letter of the law. That's what it's, that's like the core of this gentleness free from, it's more than just free from harshness. It's, it's staying within the law, but, but having compassion with it. This is what's supposed to be known to everyone. Let me say it better. Here, here's, here's one of the great definitions I saw. It's, it's our ability to give people less than what they deserve. Right now, people deserve dignity. I'm not talking about good things. We should always give them more than what they do. But in, in the negative way, like when people mess up, when people aren't what they should be, it's giving them less It's showing restraint than what they deserve. That's what Jesus people are supposed to have. This this idea of a word that we don't use much, forbearing, right? I don't even know what, I had to look it up and I found these incredible two definitions that is packed into this word. Here's one, these are convicting. Holding oneself back with an effort, meaning it's not easy. Like I want to do something or say something or post something and I've got to hold myself back, but it's not, it's not like an easy holding back. It's going to take some effort for me to hold back on this. Here's the, the other one that goes with it. Controlling oneself when provoked. Ooh. Ooh like, like we, that's a defense. I've used that plenty of times. But I was provoked, and that justifies everything. I, and sometimes it does. But in Jesus' world, there's a restraint. There's a control. Even when you were provoked. Even when they deserve it. Right? But the problem is, we all know this is true. Amen me if you want. Sometimes people need to get what they deserve. Right? Sometimes on their, here's an example this week. I was on 401. Right? This is my side of the story. Right? So that's one of the beauties of preaching. I'm on 401. I'm coming home from the church building. And, and there's this dude behind me. And, and I don't know if he's like seeing my GPS or if he thinks that I'm doing something on my phone that I shouldn't be. That's really not his business or his problem. I'm driving. My eyes are on the road. My, my hands are on the wheel. And he is tailing. Like he's right on me. I'm in the slow lane. In my world, there are completely different rules based on if you're in the slow lane or fast lane. It's rush hour, so there's nobody's getting past anybody really, but we're all moving at the same speed. I'm going around, the, maybe a few miles over the speed limit, but right around the speed limit. And he is right on my tail. Now, there's distance between me and the person in front of me, but I say, like, not much. Like, I'm not on that person's tail, but we're, it's a, you know, it's a packed road. And I, he just wants to get past me, but he can't because the fast lane is, like, full of track. Well, eventually, there's a little gap, and he whips it over. I see this in my review. He whips it over, and he's, he's giving me what for, and he's coming past me, and he's pointing my finger or pointing his finger at me. Um, and, and so he's coming up on me on the left side, right? And I know some of you, you know, you just keep your eyes on the road. And that's smart, but that's not what I did. So, so I looked at him, and I didn't, I didn't give him the finger, but I gave him the thumb, right? I just gave him one of these. 
right? And, and I did that because I'm not going to give somebody the finger, right? This is kind of the pastor's version of giving someone the finger, right? Because what makes people that are like full of road rage, what makes them even matter is when you just laugh at them. Like your whole day is ruined because you can't get around me who's going the speed limit. And I just gave him a man, good, yeah, be mad, man. You're awesome, man, because you're going to get wherever you're going seven seconds quicker because now you're going to speed on past me and then get stuck behind another car right up there. I just gave him, you know, like, 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 come on, people. I know it's stressful out there, right? So I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything super mean, but I, I got to look at the, the why. Like, why did I give him the thumb? So I could tell you about it? No, right? I gave him the thumb because I wanted to make him mad. Like he was so fired up at me in that moment. And, and I think that's ridiculous, but I just wanted to rub it in. And I knew what would make him really mad is to is just give him the thumbs up. So I just, I enjoyed... And you're like, well, you know, some of you are probably judging me right now, and that's okay. Some of you are like, that's really not a big deal, right? What's the problem? Well, the problem is the gospel. I don't know if you've heard this. We're gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement of God. So the gospel prevents me and doesn't lead me to have that reaction. Here's how... Here's how it played out. Let me go back to when my kids were little, like four, five, six age. Um, now, we disciplined our kids. I have three teenagers. I'm nowhere near ready to teach anybody about parenting, but God's been good to us. We're really um, encouraged by who our teenagers are becoming um, as, as they get older. But we, we disciplined and punished, and it is your job, parents, if you're a parent with little kids or, or big kids, but especially little kids, it is your job, nobody else's. To teach them there are consequences for actions, not just big things. When you say no and they ignore you, it is your, you are going to ruin their lives if you don't have consequences. So, so we did that and we taught that. And I want you to hear that because some of you will hear the story I'm about to tell and you'll abuse it and you'll twist it and you'll say, see, we shouldn't put, no, punish your kids. When you're not sure, should I punish or not? Punish their kids. But there was a few times I just felt led as a dad when my kids were busted, when they were caught and they knew they were going to get in trouble. And I didn't do this much, right? But I did enough to, to hopefully teach them and help them remember. And I can remember sitting on the steps um, with one of my kids, and they, again, four, five, six years old, and they knew they were about to get it because they, they had done something. And I said, listen, I want to teach you two words. I want to teach you about mercy and grace. This is mercy. I'm, you should get punished for what you did, right? Yes, right. We agree on that. But I'm not going to. Right? You do that again, you're going to get punished, right? Because it's funny how after these, like they would remember the next time they got in trouble, it's like, Dad, remember that mercy? Like, that was pretty cool. It's like, no, <laughs> that's not how this works. Not with me, right? So, but I, but I taught them in that moment. Mercy is you're not going to get punished for what you did. Now, if you keep doing it, we'll have another conversation. But, but there's going to be no punishment. Because mercy is not getting what you should get. You should get in trouble. You're not. That's mercy. But grace is getting something. So not only are you not going to get punished, I'm going to give you a hug and a kiss, and I'm going to take you downstairs, and we're going we're gonna to have a snack. We're going to eat something that's not good for us and enjoy it. Right? Not because that action is rewarded. It's nothing to do with the action. It's, it's because I love you, and I'm your dad, and I'm going to give you mercy. You're not going to get what you should get, and you're going to get grace. So you're going to get something that you didn't earn. Church, we didn't get 
what we deserve. Right? Jesus could not let us get what we had earned with our own sin. That's mercy. But on top of that, he gave us grace, meaning we are rescued and adopted. We didn't just get saved. We got rescued and adopted into his family. Grace is I'm inherited. I get an inheritance. I'm a full-fledged son of the king. I am bought, right? I am who he says I am, right? My identity is in him. He loves me and doesn't. All of that is grace. He gave me that standing and that identity, and he earned it for me through the cross. I didn't earn it myself. Mercy and grace. We live in that. That's not something we talk about a couple times a year. It's not something, you know, that's about a holiday. That is who we are. So because of that's true, that has got to impact us when we're behind the wheel of a car. Whether we're the one that's angry or we're the ones laughing at the one that's angry, right? That wasn't a gospel response by me, right? Which is super hard. <laughs> I don't want to act like this is easy just to not give people what they deserve and grace and mercy, applying that to human beings who aren't loving like God is. But I think it's a lot harder because we don't connect the dots. It's, it's always going to be hard in our humanity, but through him, we've got to connect this. Let your gentleness and all that's packed into that word be, be evident to everyone, which is connected to the message from last week. Rejoice in the Lord, always. Remember, having joy, joy is, is, a, is something that he gave us. It's always available, but rejoicing, joy is something you have. Rejoicing is something you do. So if you rejoice in the Lord always, if you sit, like we talked about, I won't preach that message again. If you sit and dwell on what Jesus has done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do, man, if you connect to the mercy that he provided and the grace, like we're going to have forever, like that's one of the gifts he gave us is not just this life, but the next, which won't have all the issues that we have in this. Like all, you dwell on all that, rejoice in the Lord. And Paul wrote that from prison. He said, always, no matter the circumstance, pandemic, tension, whatever. And I'm gonna say it again, rejoice. And the very next sentence is, let your gentleness, reasoning, your forbearing, let that be evident to everyone. Those things are connected. By rejoicing in the Lord, we're able, we're freed up to be reasonable and gentle. That driver behind me, I don't know his story. He may just have been a road rage guy or he may have someone sick in the hospital with corona. He may be leaving work and just gotten the pink slip, we're gonna have to let you go. Right? I don't know and I won't know, but what I do know is I didn't do anything to portray Jesus to him in that moment. Well, he didn't deserve it. Well, I, I don't deserve right? That's, that's the point. We get chances on the road, right? We get chances in our home with people we've been in the house with more than we ever have, at work, at school, uh, on social media. Oh my goodness, we get chances to be, let our gentleness be known to everyone. Now, I'd, part of me wants just to end it right there, but I need to, I need to help us apply this because things are crazy. I don't know if you guys heard this. You might have missed it. There was a presidential debate this week. I don't know if anybody saw it. It, it. it wasn't really a debate, and it was not really presidential, but they called it a presidential debate. So what would it look like for us to take this? Because here's what's packed into this 
gentleness, reason, yielding, all packed in is the gospel. Jesus put us ahead of him. Now we get to put other people ahead of us. Right? That's a, that's a, that's a beautiful blessing to get to put other people ahead of us. And we think, oh yeah, I'll put people ahead of me when they deserve it. And that's, that's not the gospel. The gospel is we didn't deserve it, so we just do it because it pleases Jesus and he's in us and we do it for him as much as or more than we do it for the actual person. So there was this debate. I don't know if you saw it, paid attention to it. But in that debate, uh, our president was asked to denounce white supremacy. Right? And he went back and forth and there was a moment and then he named uh, Vice President, former Vice President Biden said, what about the Proud Boys? The Proud Boys are a white nationalist, neo-Nazi, white supremacist group. He asked them to denounce them and the president's response ended with that they would stand down and then he said, and stand by. Right? And, and it sounded like right, he wasn't denouncing uh, but he was saying, hold on, I'll, you know, call you when I need you or something along those lines. Now, we're a multi-ethnic, multi-generational, politically diverse church, right? So I'm not here to uh, hammer the president. I, I preached before. We have scripture that tells us the respect we should have for leaders in the office, no matter what their name or what you vote, whatever. And I'm not even talking about voting in this. That's, but as you know, if you've been around Relentless, that's a gospel issue. So what happened is people of all colors and backgrounds begin to post about their frustration or anger or hurt or fear based on uh, the president not handling that question or not denouncing it in the moment. Now, since then, uh, uh, yesterday, today, from when I'm recording this, he denounced it uh, boldly and clearly, and that's great. But my point is, there's a verse that we're trying to Understand, let your gentleness, reason be evident. You're yielding, you're putting others ahead. Let that be evident to all people. So when you see somebody that you know and maybe somebody you love post about, man, that hurt, right? Did he just say that, right? And, and again, I don't care if you believe he completely misspoke and it was all taken out of, you know, that's not what he meant. Or if you think, oh, he said exactly what he meant to say, right? Wherever you stand on that, that's not the point right in this. Here's the point. If you see somebody you care about and love post about how that affected them, the reasonable, gentle way is to get in their shoes, to get in their head and to care and empathize and love and stand with them. The gentle response is not, what about abortion? Right? I'm not, you know, well, Pastor, why, why, you know what? I didn't post about any of that. You know why? If you want to know what I think, right? Come right here, Relentless Church Online. I'll tell you what, you, uh, we have conversations and we have Relentless Church. I'm not getting into it because I struggle to keep my gentleness and, and make it obvious to all. But I preached a whole message on abortion in the spring. Like that's, that, the, the point is not about abortion. The point is white supremacy is in direct opposition to the gospel. And when people post about that, then we need to come behind them and with them, no matter who you're voting for or not voting for, right? That's where this gets hard when you actually apply it to people who disagree with you. Republicans, Democrats, independents, you know what we can agree on? You know what gospel Jesus people at Relentless Church can agree on? Easy? Man, white supremacy's got no, got no place, 
right? That's an easy one. Now, let me, let me go the other way. Give me one more example so I can tick off everybody. The, today, as I'm filming this on Friday, you're watching this on Sunday, this morning I woke up to the news that President Trump and his wife had tested positive for corona. Now, I didn't see much of it because it was super early, but I saw a little and heard a little bit today, somewhat of the vibe of got what he deserved, right? And they're, and they're saying that, I guess, based on masks or how he's told, whatever, right? And I'm not here to defend or like if there's logic in that response, what I'm here to defend is there's no place for that among Jesus people. Whether you agree or disagree is irrelevant. This is the president of our country, and this is a man and his wife that contacted a virus that can be awful and can be deadly. There is no room for any Jesus person on earth to say or post, got what he deserved. Why? Because our gentleness, our reason, our, it's not about what he deserved. It's about us wanting the best for people. And how do we get there, right? That's so hard. How do we get there? We rejoice in the Lord always. How He rescued and adopted me. How? By going to a cross and dying a brutal death so that I could have hope and joy and peace and I could rest in him. He calls me a son. I'm going to live forever with him. All of that allows me to then give people gentleness. It doesn't mean we don't speak truth. It doesn't mean we don't do all kinds of things. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we love people not based on their deserving, but based on how we have been loved. And that is the principle behind this verse. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. And we can do this. Church, we, we can do this. We can't do this on our own. Oh my goodness, we have no ability. Like this is so counter. Everything about our humanity and even our culture says, give people what they deserve, right? Gentleness is weak, but no, no, no. Jesus was gentle and he wasn't weak. He defeated death, right? That's strong as strong can get. And that Jesus lives in us. And he says, rejoice in me always, right? And I'm gonna tell you again, rejoice. And guess what? When you rejoice in me, then you're going to let this Jesus, not human, not worldly gentleness, no, the Jesus gentleness that I'm going to help you with, this Jesus, gentle, Jesus gentleness, it's going to be evident to everybody you come into contact with, right? I have no idea how big our church is because we're online. People watch on different platforms. I have no idea what attendance is, right? It's not even important. What I know is there are thousands of people that are going to be touched this week by you. If we add up all the people watching this and all the interactions, there are thousands and thousands of people that we have the opportunity to let our gentle, reasonable, yielding, forbearing Jesus gentleness be obvious and evident to them. I think that changes the world one interaction, one person, one day at a time. So that's your homework. Right? We're, we're, we're going to be talking more about November 1st. Four weeks from today, we are coming back into the church building together. What if for this month, and, and not stop at November 1st, but what if we made it a focus and a prayer for this next month to let our gentleness, our reasonableness, our Jesusness be evident to everyone, no matter how they act, no matter how they drive, no matter what they post, no matter what they say, you know what? It's not about them. It's about me and God. I'm going to let, because I'm rejoicing in the Lord, and the product of that is to let my gentleness be obvious to everyone. I'm going to pray for us because we cannot do that. I cannot do that on my own.
but God wants to do it and can do it through us. Let me pray that. Father, I thank you for this amazing truth that you've given us all through Scripture, but specifically in this tiny little verse. God, help us understand and apply this, especially where it's hardest. The people that don't deserve it are the people that need it most. God, help me remember that. The people that don't deserve it are the ones that need it most. Let us be excited and empowered to let our gentleness pour out on everyone that we come into contact with, both in the physical world and in the digital world. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.